0: Thank you for checking out this podcast from Mountain View Christian Center, a place to connect. Today, we're going to talk about, well, the title of the message this morning is Less Talk, More Action. Less Talk, More Action. if you have your Bibles, go ahead and hold them up. Repeat after me. This is the Word of God, it's able to make me wise, it's useful for teaching. Correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And this message is for me. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 17. are going to start in verse 14 and work our way around. Joshua chapter 17, verse 14. It says, The people of Joseph came to Joshua, And they said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We're a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Verse 15, If you're so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves there, in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephites. The people of Joseph replied, "'The hill country is not enough for us, "'and all the Canaanites who live in the plain "'have iron chariots, both those in Beth-shan "'and and and, uh, its settlements, and those in the valley of Jezreel. "'But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, "'to Ephraim and Manasseh, "'You are numerous and very powerful. "'You will have not only one allotment, "'but the forested hill country as well. "'Clear it, and the farthest limits will be yours.'" Though the Canaanites have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Chapter 18, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh to set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land, the Lord your father? The Lord... God of your fathers has given you. Lord, this morning as we come before you, we open up your word. or we want to know what it says to us, for us. Not just what it said historically to a group of people thousands of years ago. Lord, not just what it meant to them, but by your Holy Spirit, you inspired this word for us today. So guide us, direct us. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, and I pray again your Holy Spirit go where I can't go, to the heart of each and every one, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want you to know, first thing that I pull out of this, and I'm not pulling these in any direct order as to reading, but the first thing that I pull out of this is you need to understand it's possible to live among the promise without possessing the promise. It's very possible, what I'm saying, it's very possible for you to live among, amidst the promise. You're in the promised land, but you're not living in possession of the promised land. And that is not God's plan. God didn't send Israel out of Egypt through the desert and into the promised land just so they could sit there and say, hey, we're here amidst or in the midst of the other inhabitants of the nation of the of the promised land he sent them in to take over to own it to control it to be the ones who possess it and that's god's plan for us today is that we take possession of the promise now by chapter 18 we just read it chapter 18 verses 1 and 2 the country had been brought under israel's control it says right there, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting. The country was brought under their control. Verse 2, but there were, seven, there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. Now maybe that doesn't sound terrible at first glance. It sounds pretty good to know that the whole country, the whole promised land is under their control. They're, they're there. They're living in the land of promise, and yet seven tribes. Seven tribes haven't received their inheritance. Let's think about this for a minute. There was only 12 tribes of Israel. Two and a half tribes already received their property on the east side of the river. And then they had to come across with their brothers and fight with them not against some fight with them to take possession of the promised land before they could go back home to their wives and children. So if you take two and a half away from 12, that leaves seven and a half. No, it doesn't. It leaves nine and a half. Forget about my math. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a science major or a math major. I'm I'm just a simple man that gets to get up here and annoy people. Bottom line, several years of fighting, several years of subduing other nations, two and a half of their tribes have their land on the east side of the river. Seven tribes no longer have their, or or don't have their land yet. That's a total of nine and a half. What does that mean? Only two and a half other tribes have received their promise. Only two and a half other tribes have taken possession of the promise. Two and a half, a total of five out of 12. That's a minority. That's a small group. We go, oh, great, they're in the promised land. They've they've subdued it, but they're not enjoying it. They haven't taken possession of it. That's not good. All these years of fighting, all the struggle, all the battles they've been through, all the ups and the downs, and they haven't, taken over. You ever notice that kids know how to take possession of a toy? Parents give the kids a toy? It's theirs. Man, you can give a kid a toy, and, and years later, they remember that's, that's their toy. Our grandkids know that there's toys. That's their toy's. Milo, the oldest, he's, you know, he's five. If we gave him a toy at one, he would know today that that's his toy. Not only would he know that that's his toy, he would know who gave it to him, when they gave it to him, why they gave it to him. That's his toy. You don't play with his toy unless he tells you you can play with his toy. Kids can take possession of toys. They might share, but at the end of the day, they know whose it is. Why? Because they've got the authority from the parent. This is yours. Okay, it's mine. I got it. Don't we need to be a little bit more childlike? Not childish. Childlike. When the Lord tells us he's given us something, we need to take him at his word, don't we? And let's take possession of that. Know whose it is. You might share the blessing, you might help others, but it's yours. Grab hold. Look at Joshua chapter 18 and verse 3, and I think his question is really fitting, not only to the Israelites that he was talking to that day, but it's fitting to us. He asks simply, how long? How long will you wait? Yeah, Sam, how long are you going to wait until you actually take possession? How long are you going to wait until you actually take that which God has given you? It's rightfully yours. How long are you going to wait? And we look at it and we read and go, yeah, how long are you going to wait? But let's turn the question around. How many of us has God made promises to? It should be every hand up. If you've been paying any attention whatsoever in the last eight weeks, let's turn the question around. How long? How long are you going to wait until you start taking possession, until you start living as if that promise is yours, until you start taking ownership of the things that God has promised you? They're yours. How long? For some, I think we've waited too long. It's time for us to get busy. You know, he he gave it. We need to take it. We need to understand that each tribe, you know, here, here's where it's interesting. Each tribe had its own allotment. All right. So each, each one of the tribes got a, a different section of the promised land and they helped each other to take those sections. They would, you know, one tribe would grab hold of another tribe and say, hey, help us take our land. We'll help you take your land. And that's great. That's the way that, that we ought to be working They helped each other, but nonetheless, they had their own territory that God had carved out for them. In the same way, God has determined where you belong. In the same way that they had their own territory and they could help others, but they had their own place, God has determined where you belong. In the book of Acts, it says that God has determined the exact times and places where men must live, and women. You don't live in America in 2015 by accident. You're not in Clark County or, or the, the area by accident. God has deemed the exact time. Now I'm not saying that he's forcing your hand. I'm not saying that, that you got no choice in the matter. But he has placed you where you are with a purpose. We need to grab hold of that. You see, some in Israel, some were given hill country and some coastland. Some had forest land, some had farmland, some were in arid areas, each according to God's purpose this tribe had this area. Why? Because God had a purpose for this tribe. It's kind of like having different vehicles, different cars or trucks or motorcycles. You know, I've got, well, I've got broken motorcycles and quads in my garage, but I've got, I've got a car and I've got a truck. I've got, you know, toys. And they all have a different purpose. I don't take my car up hunting in the woods. It doesn't have the ground clearance and my wife would shoot me. But I don't typically take my truck on long trips unless it's a long hunting trip because you know what? It doesn't get the greatest gas mileage. I take my truck when I'm going to take my motorcycle somewhere where I'm going to haul something. I can't haul stuff in my car, but I can haul it in my truck. And so my car sits at home when I need to take my truck. But I like to take my motorcycle out and play with it, but I don't take my motorcycle hunting because I can't haul anything back on it. And I can't pull it. Well, I could pull it. I pulled my brother around on it. It was kind of fun. But they've all got their distinct purposes. They're all good. They're all fine. They're all, you know, internal combustion vehicles They all work for me, but they have distinct and different purposes. These tribes belong to the Lord. They got a portion of the promised land. And they had distinct purposes. You belong to the Lord. And you're different than the person sitting next to you. You got different likes and different wants and different personalities and different needs. You've also got different giftings. And Paul talks about... The body of Christ using the, the church, rather, using the, the analogy of the body that we've all got. A different role. But we're all equally important. And so even as we help one another, and, and the tribes helped one another to conquer the land, we need to then come back to where it is that God called us. And we just need to do and work in the giftings that God Gave us. Certainly, the power of missions or the effectiveness of missions depends upon us helping one another and working with one another. If you were to go to Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14, a lot of missionaries like to use this as kind of their calling card verse. This is how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And so the reality is is that some go and others do the sending, but we all work together to get the mission completed, that the lost might come to know Jesus Christ. And so the question is, how long? How long will you wait maybe you've been sitting here for 8 weeks wondering when this series is going to come to completion maybe you've been sitting here for 8 years or 30 years and wondering when your time is your time is now today is the day of salvation today is the day how long will you wait quit just let's let's just make a commitment to stop just taking up space in a pew. Stop just smiling and, and having our hugs and our fun and whatnot. Let's get serious about getting busy. How long are we going to wait to take hold of the promise? We've talked about the promise long enough. Let's take it. Amen? Next thing i like to say is what the, the, the children of Joseph found out, nobody said it was going to be easy. So don't let anybody ever tell you that ministry or, or that being a Christian or that, that living this Christian life, that taking possession of the promise is going to be easy. It's not necessarily going to be easy. You see, Manasseh had been given the allotment, but they weren't able to occupy. Did you, did you notice what they said here? Well, in fact, you'd have to go up to verse 12, I guess, to notice what was said. Chapter 17, verse 12 says, Yet the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but they didn't drive them out. So they, you know, they really kind of compromised on the mission. The mission was to drive them out, get rid of them. But it says right here that the, the Manassites weren't able to. They couldn't occupy the towns they had been given them, but they couldn't occupy them. Why? Because the Canaanites were determined. You ever run into a determined person? You ever raise a child? Oh, they can get very stubborn. They can be very determined. You know what else can be very determined? Can be very, very stubborn. Sin. Now, you can call it what you want. You can call it addiction. You can call it poor choices. You can call it a disease. You can put whatever label you want to put on it that might make you feel better about it. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is sin is sin. And the wages of sin is death. It doesn't matter what name you call it by. Sin is going to kill you. Not only physically, but worse Spiritually, because sin causes separation between us and God. I've seen very clearly in, in Genesis chapter 2, when, or chapter 3, when, when Adam and Eve sinned and they ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit. They had one rule. Man, I wish I only had one rule. They had one rule, and they didn't keep that willfully disobeyed God. They sinned, and God had told them, you know what, don't do it don't eat it. The moment that you eat it, you're going to die. And they didn't know what die was. And so they just, you know, whatever they gave into, they gave into temptation and they didn't physically die immediately. That came a little bit later, but what happened is their relationship with God, all of a sudden there was a chasm in it. There was fear that had never been there before. The next time they heard God come down and walk in the garden, they were scared half to death. Why? Because they were naked. Well, who cares? God made them that way. But all of a sudden they understand that, oh, I shouldn't be proud of. Well, you know what the problem was? They had sinned. They had made a wrong choice. They had a, a weakness. They had a disease. They had whatever. They had sinned and it resulted in separation between them and God. And now that relationship that at one time was peaceful and joyful and 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 energizing and refreshing all of a sudden was terrifying. Because I did something wrong and God's here. Well, I'm so glad that the story doesn't end there. God called him out. You know the story. You've been there. God called him out, and he he asked them, well, "You know, they're playing hide and go seek with God. Like He doesn't know where they're at." He says, "Why are you hiding?" Well, we heard you. We were scared because we were naked. Oh yeah, who told you you were naked? Uh. And I love how patiently and lovingly God draws out. God could have been, should have been, maybe was infuriated by what they had done. I gave you one rule. you had one job. Could have been, should have been infuriated by what they did. And yet, he responds in grace and mercy and draws it out and says, who told you? They didn't necessarily know about Confession, So he had to draw like, did you, did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? Well, yeah, the woman you gave me, gave me some, no, did you? Yes, I did. Eve, did you? Yes. The serpent, no, did you? Yes, I did. They confessed their sin, and upon their confession, here's the grace of God, he Not only forgave, but he covered their sin. He declared war on the serpent. He prophesied that a Messiah would come that would crush the head of the enemy. But he provided for Adam and Eve who had sinned. Now, he also did something else that seems a little bit harsh. He drove them out of the garden. And he set some cherubim there with flaming swords they couldn't ever get back in but it was for their own good. He set boundaries. We've talked about that. He set boundaries for them. But back to the point, whoever said that it would be easy would be lying to you. Nobody said that, that taking hold of the promise is going to be easy. Nobody said that overcoming our sin, overcoming our addiction, overcoming our poor choices... Our disease is going to be easy because that sin just like the Canaanites were determined to live in the nation that sin is determined to live in you it's determined to keep residence in you it's determined to take just as much as it absolutely can to keep you from obtaining the promise of God but it doesn't have to win it's determined but it doesn't have to win You've got to be more determined. What did God say to to Cain when he was tempted to kill his brother Abel? God took him aside and said, hey, what are you thinking about doing? Sin is creeping at your door. It's stalking you. It wants to have you, but you must control it. Cain, unfortunately, didn't listen. We can listen today. Listen to what it says in Philippians 4.13. You can do everything through him who gives you strength. You can do everything. That means you can say no to sin. No temptation has seized you. Does that sound familiar? Except that which is common to man. And, and when tempted, God will give you a way out. You can do anything. You can say no. It doesn't have to have control over you. Titus 2:11 and 12. The grace of God that brings salvation. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. It doesn't have to defeat you. It's determined to stay, but it doesn't have any right to stay. Why? Because God has given you the promise that that's your possession. And we grow day by day. We learn, as Titus says, it teaches you to say no. So you said yes yesterday, today say no. So you failed last week, this week stand strong and learn to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. You see, we need to stop buying into the lie that says that you can't help it. We need to stop buying into the lie that says you're stuck. We need to stop buying into the lie that says you're addicted Because here's the truth. Either Jesus defeated sin. Either he broke the chains of sin for you and everybody else, or he didn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to decide who we're going to believe. Am I going to believe scripture or am I going to believe the voice in my head am I going to believe what the Bible says or am I going to believe what my weakness tells me now I'm not in any way saying that that hey if you're struggling with sin you're weak or if you're struggling with sin you don't have faith or if you're weak you're doing something wrong what I am saying is it's not going to be easy nobody said it would be easy but it's doable why because God has said so We have to make a determination, and this is where the responsibility is ours. We have to make a determination who we're going to believe, who we're going to stand by, who we're going to listen to, and how we're going to act. The Bible tells us that that if we accept the Lord, if if we're saved, if we're serving Him, we're not going to sin anymore, but we need to understand what that means. It doesn't mean that you're never going to commit a sin. It doesn't mean that you're never going to trip and fall. It means you're going to stop living in it. That means you're going to have a, not only a heart change, but a head change. That means when I get up in the morning, I got to say, Lord, help me, because I know I'm going to face this temptation. That means if I know that it's that I run into temptation when I walk down by the bakery because it smells so good, maybe I ought to take a different route If I know that I'm prone to, to get diabetes or something, maybe I shouldn't have those 60 pounds of chocolate candy sitting in my office. It's just unfortunate we didn't have enough kids come to the harvest party to get rid of all that. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Pray for my ever expanding adult line. But in all seriousness, I mean, I, if I was to sit in there and just eat candy bar after candy bar after candy bar, and I didn't have enough room left over for good food, oh, I might be filling myself up, but I'm destroying myself, right? And there's nobody besides maybe Deb that's going to have the gumption to come and tell me to get my hand out of that candy box. Well, you're a grown man, you're a big boy, it's in your office. You make your own. Now, now, Deb, she's good enough. She's going to come by. She's going to slap my hand. She's going to tell me, don't you ruin the dinner I made. Don't you fill up on that. And we need friends. We need people like that in our lives. But ultimately, the responsibility for me not eating all that candy does not lie with Deb. It lies with me. Right? And no temptation has seized me. I've got to say no, even if that means moving that box into Pastor Wayne's office. i got to Pass the temptation along, my friend. Misery loves company. It's not easy, but it's doable. We have to take the actions to make it happen. We gotta quit leaving it on somebody else. See what, what the, the children of Joseph were doing when Ephraim and Manasseh came to Joshua and said, hey, we don't have enough land. We're a lot of people, we don't have enough land. And they're doing it knowing that the Canaanites are still living there. Number one, they're just not wanting to go and fight the Canaanites. And number two, they're looking for somebody else to do the work so they can get the, the benefit. Joshua, give us more land. Joshua, we need more room because we got a lot of people. What did Joshua say? Go take it then. If you're so big, if you're so powerful, go take it. You see, you can't do what God can do, but he won't do what you can God's created us in such a way that we got to work for it. And and, and you can't do the things that God can do. You can't make the sun come up or go down. You can't make it stand still. You can't make it rain or shine. You can't do anything that God God has reserved for himself. But understand this. He's not going to do what you can. He's created us to work. He's created us to do. So verse 15 Joshua's answer to the Manassites, if you are so numerous, if you are so big, if you are so powerful, if you are so strong, then go up into the forest and clear it for yourselves. See, the problem was they could talk, but they wouldn't back it up. Rather than take care of business, they wanted Joshua to take care of business for them. And church, unfortunately, we have the same problem in church. And when I say in church, I don't mean just at Mountain View Christian Center. I mean the church universal We got the same problem today. You see, sometimes we become dissatisfied with what's going on or with what's not going on. It's not big enough. It's not fast enough. It's not hopping enough. We're not experiencing what others are experiencing. Or instead of buckling down and redoubling our efforts, we want to go off and help somebody else. We get dissatisfied with what we're experiencing in our own lives. And so we want to go and grab onto somebody else's life as if that's gonna bring the satisfaction. Oftentimes in church, we want the pastor or the board or the staff to do something, to initiate new ministry, to see new things happen. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me over the years and say, Oh, Pastor, we got I got this. I got this great idea for a ministry. I got this great idea for an outreach. And uh, and here's what it is. And this, I, I, think, I think you ought to do this. They might get so bold to say, I think we ought to do this. And my answer has been consistent. So that's, well, sometimes I'll say that's great. Sometimes I'll say that's interesting. I usually don't just tell somebody you're a nut. But there have been a couple of those ideas too. But I, I'm usually... I'm usually pretty decent about saying either that's great or that's interesting. But here's the consistent part, and and I'm not patting myself on on the back on being consistent, but here's the deal. Somebody comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I got this great idea for a ministry that we ought to do, an outreach that we ought to do, some area that we ought to be involved in. I'll say, okay, show me how you're going to do it. What? What? show me how you're going to do it sit down and articulate to me how this is going to work how are you going to make it happen write it out show me the steps well i you know i thought i would just give it to you and you're the pastor you should I'm the pastor. i got other things i got to be focused on, and I think it's great when somebody has a ministry idea. I think it's great when somebody's got an outreach idea. But is it possible? I mean, just let's just stretch our imaginations for a little bit. Is it possible that God would speak to somebody other than the pastor, other than a board member, other than a staff member, and begin to speak a dream into their heart, a vision into their heart, something that they are supposed to take the reins for? And make it happen. And my responsibility might simply be like Joshua and say, Hey, if you are so big, why don't you do it? You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? You know, don't, don't tell me what you know. Show me what you know. Don't tell me how much faith you have. Show me how much faith you have. Don't tell me how great you think this ministry would be, this outreach, how effective it's going it, to be. Show me. Oh, I'll give you my stamp of approval when you when you come down. You can articulate to me. You show me. I'll give you my stamp of approval. I'll even I'll even promote it here in the sanctuary. I'll promote it on our on our Facebook. I'll promote it on our website. By the way, we've got a website now. Thanks to Pastor Wayne. Not only do we have a website, he's figured out how to podcast. So, do we have one message on there? Or, We've got two. And we're working, we're, I'm saying we, I mean he, under my direct supervision, is working at getting this whole series up, right? Yeah. Working at getting this whole series. Up. We're just going to start, we're not going to go back, you know, years. But, but we'll start at the beginning of this series. And you can go back and you can listen to them. Podcasts kind of cool, except it's, for me it's kind of creepy to hear somebody that sounds just like me that doesn't really sound like I sound in my head. But anyway, go to that, listen to it, send your friends to it. But here's the, here's the bottom, I'll, I'll, I'll promote it. If you show me that you're gonna do it, if you show me that, that God has spoken something to you, I will promote it and I will help you get it out there. But it just may be that you need to be the one that has the boots on the ground. Understand this, God God did not give you the responsibility to tell me how the church should run. Is that? Is that painful? I don't know, maybe. Maybe not. It's not even you know what? It's not even the it's not even the board's job to tell the pastor what to do. I don't hear any board members saying amen. Thank you. Here, let me let me break it down for you. Here's here's my responsibility. Preach, teach, and reach. You know what the board's responsibility is? Give me a place to do it. Keep the lights on. It's the board's responsibility to tend to the business of the church, and they do a fine job. And I'll tell you what, if you don't don't think that it's not a difficult job, you've never tried to do it. And if you're not in the habit of praying for our board members and their wives, please start. It's a tough job that they do, and I appreciate it, and I want you to appreciate it. The bottom line, God's, not gonna, God's typically not going to speak to you to tell me something that I should do. He's going to speak to me. When he's speaking to you and giving you an idea about a ministry, I'm going to celebrate with you, but that's something for you to do. Come and show me how you're going to do it. And then we'll link arms. Let's not worry about somebody else doing it. Let's worry about what can I do. Listen to the word of God here that, that was spoken to them, but I believe is spoken to us as well. We drop down to chapter 17, verse 17. Listen to what Joshua says and what the Lord says. Joshua said to the house of Joseph, let me put my own words here. God says to you, you are numerous and powerful. He affirmed their assertion. He didn't belittle it. God is in the business of building you up and affirming you, affirming your assertions on your faith. If you will stay, take the faith, take the steps, you are numerous and you are powerful. Then he goes on you will have the forested, uh, you will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. What's the Lord say to you? You don't have to settle for what has been, but you will have the fulfillment of the promise. You will. You will. God birthed it in your heart. You will have it. But the responsibility was theirs, and the responsibility is ours because the next thing that he says is this, clear it, clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though they are strong, you can, nay, you will drive them out. So, what's in the way of you fulfilling your promise? What's in the way of you grabbing hold, taking possession of that promise? You can, you will, you are, but you need to clear it. Start pushing it out of the way. Start taking possession in the name of Jesus. You starting to notice a, a bit of reputa- repetition, not reputation, repetition here? In other words, and finally what, what the Lord was saying, what Joshua was saying, what the Lord is saying today, you're right. Now do it. Less talk, more action. That's what's needed here. Less talk, more action. That's what's needed in our lives. My goodness, we could talk till the cows come home. Then you're just going to have a bunch of cows in your yard and the mess that follows. Or we can get busy taking possession. Let me close with this. It's not simply what you know, but what you do that matters. Nobody's ever been considered righteous. Nobody's ever been made right with the Lord because of what they knew, but because of what they did. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49 succinctly says this Jesus speaking why do you call me Lord Lord but you don't do what I say why do you even pretend we this is what he said why do you even pretend we have this intimate relationship that you would call me Lord you would call me boss but you don't do what I say Not the one that knows the master's will that pleases him, but the one that does the master's will. James 1.22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do. Do what it says. Last verse, James 2.21 and 22. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son, Isaac on the altar. His faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Abraham took possession of the promise, not because God spoke the promise to him, but because he did what God told him to do. Lord, I don't understand sacrificing my son. I don't even know where I'm going, but I'm going to do what you say. And because he did that, because he went all the way till God said, stop. He received the promise. It's there, church. It's there for you, and it's there for me. It's there for Mountain View Christian Center. It's there for the church universal. We have a great, blessed opportunity. Let's take possession of the promise. God's not going to do it for us, but he's given it to us. So let's talk more action. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, this morning as we wrap up this series on taking possession of the promise, we're reminded that you have given us many great promises. Lord, all throughout the book of Joshua, we see that the responsibility for taking it, for grabbing it, for holding it, fell to the people, fell to the individuals. Lord, you made the promise, and you make the way. But then you expect that we step out and do it, Lord, that we don't just talk about it. We don't just... Generate clubs to talk about the great things God has spoken to us, but but Lord, you give us the responsibility to reach out and grab hold and to do it. Lord, I know here at Mountain View, there are a lot of great and faithful saints, Lord, that have been doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. Lord, I know that sometimes we get tired because we don't see what you see, we don't see the promise fulfilled, Lord. For those that have been working so hard for so long, I pray that you would even this morning just breathe a spirit of refreshment upon them, Lord. That you would reinvigorate them, Father. That they wouldn't grow weary and well doing, but they would understand that at just the right time, if they keep busy, they keep doing, keep running after the promise. Lord, at just the right time you'll fulfill that for them. But Lord, there may also be those among us that, honestly, we've done more talking than we've done acting. We've talked a lot more about what faith is than actually operating in faith. We've talked a lot more about what it means to serve the Lord, what it means to reach the lost, than actually doing it. And Lord, if there are those here this morning for whom that fits, I pray, Lord, that you would, first of all, bring confession between them and you, and second of all, Lord, that you would turn them around. Lord, that there'd be less talk, more action. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and this is admittedly a... It's a difficult one to ask, but I believe it's an important question to ask. You're here this morning and you've done a lot of talking, but you haven't done a lot of acting. You know all the right things. You know what the word says. You've heard it and you can quote it and you can spout it, but you haven't been living it. today you want to make a change and say, less talk, more action from me. If that's you, you slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else all around this room, people being honest saying, yeah, thank you. I've talked more than I've acted. This is between you and God. I'm only looking because I need to know who I'm praying for. I'm not gonna call you out. It's between you and God. But understand this, it affects the rest of us. God wants to bless. So Lord, once again, I, I pray for those and I thank you for those who have raised their hand and said, that's me. Lord, that's a hard one. Lord, I, I come against the doubts and the fears now that are trying to eat away at them. Lord, I pray right now that you would build them and you would encourage them. And even as they've raised their hand, and I've seen who it is, Lord, knowing that you know even more, God, I pray that you would embolden them. Lord, that not only today, here and now, but when they walk out of here, Lord, tomorrow morning when they get up, tomorrow afternoon when they're challenged, Lord, when you're speaking to them in the midst of their devotions, and Lord, they're tempted to, to slip back into the old, to just talk about what they know. Lord, I pray that you would remind them of this moment when they said, less talk, more action. Father, as they step out and as we all step out together, that we would begin to see that promise taken hold of, Lord, that we together and individually would take possession of this promise. That you've given us lord i ask that you be glorified be glorified in jesus name and now lord would you go with us as we get ready to leave would you would you bless your people father i pray that those that go to lunch together would just have a have a great time lord a good time of fellowship Father, those that have business they got to get to would you bless and protect would you bring us back safely lord on wednesday for this family night for fellowship and fun and food. Lord, I commit your people to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, you can find us online at www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.